Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture show broadcast in Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney, and we're back with a brand new episode. And rather than reviewing a movie or a comic book or TV series, this is going to be a general discussion about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And as you can tell from the title, it says, let's talk about movie theaters. Now, in order to talk about something that I love, and that's including movie theaters, I need somebody who loves movies. Now, she is the host of the I Love That Movie podcast. Lisa, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. This is exciting. It's been a minute. I feel like it's been a little while since we've gotten together, and and I'm really excited to chat about this topic. I have lots of thoughts on it, so let's do it. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine, like, last time you were on this show, was it our Wonder Woman episode? I feel like it was. Yeah, I think so. And, like, that was months ago, and... <laughs> well, it's all been a blur, so... Yeah, like, it, it is... Like, there's a reason why on my Instagram story last night, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at this is Tim Rooney, where I just posted that uh, still from The Princess Bride, like, I just sucked one year away from your life. Tell me, how do you feel? <laughs> and I imagine that's how 2020 is. It's that's it's just Christopher Guest um, slowly sucking the life out of people. Pretty much. Yeah, but like I said, we're talking about uh, movie theaters and our feelings on them and the future of them. So let's jump into our discussion of it, discussion of it right now. Now, before we talk about how movie theaters are today, I think we need to set up some context of how our feelings are and our history with movie theaters. Now, Lisa, do you remember what the first movie you saw was in the movie theaters? Yes, it was Cinderella, a re-releasing of Disney's Cinderella. I was around four or five years old. <laughs> I don't remember a whole lot about that event, but I know that that's the movie I saw. That's amazing. Like, you got a chance to see one of the uh, re-releases of Disney, which is something they would, it was a staple for for years with Disney, and sadly mm-hmm. they don't do that anymore. I know. And I, I guess it's the the idea of the Disney vault, and right. that's why <laughs> they decide not to do it. Yeah, I guess. I, I remember as a kid, you know, not knowing that those were older movies, But it felt like every other year I was seeing like Pinocchio or Cinderella or Robin Hood. I think a lot of those movies I saw in theaters. But it took me a long time, you know, being a small child, uh, to realize that, you know, they were movies that came out a long time ago. Right. I I mean, like, even the the controversial and infamous Song of the South was re-released for years like up until like the mid 1980s. I may be mistaken there, but it was something that they would do. And I guess it was by the time like the second renaissance of Disney movies, that's when they stopped re-releasing them because they was churning out like movies at every year or every two years. So I guess they slow down on the re-releases of the older movies. Yeah, I remember they used to have a setup where they had like four movies almost going like every year so that 
every year, every two years, like you're saying, they could have a movie come out. But like, there were multiple movies, you know, in production at once so that they didn't have to like miss a year. And that went on for a while. Um, I think until around like the Emperor's Groove era or something like that. It's like when they started not being lucrative anymore. Which is unfortunate that it didn't end up like continuing everything. But I get the business mind, the business mind of it that is like, oh no, we we can make more money by force scarcity Mm -hmm. and as well as home video and the fact that Disney Channel became a real uh, huge thing in the late 90s into the early 2000s. Yeah, and I think it was a little bit of history repeating itself because back in the day, those movies, I mean, they were very expensive to make. They were time-consuming. And uh, Disney loved those, the animated features, the most, but they weren't always lucrative. And it was much cheaper to make, like, those, uh, you know, movies that you would see, like, on TV or just live-action movies were cheaper Um, And for a long time, uh, he shifted from working solely on animated stuff to Disneyland. And he would use like the Disney Channel, the weekly like movie night that they used to have to fund that park. So he was always like more interested in the more expensive projects. And I guess for a while, you know, the animated movie thing did work later when technology kind of caught up to it. But then once again, it was like, Hey, you know what? This is expensive. (laughs) And not every single thing that we put out is a hit. Maybe we should slow down. Right. I I mean, that's the the curious thing about the live action, uh, not live action, but the full length animated movies from Disney that after Snow White, the next few were kind of flops. I mean, like right. Fantasia is a huge flop, despite the and be, despite the ambition of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was just unfortunate. Like things like Dumbo, which was like a, a very like that's barely a sixty minute length uh, sixty minute length movie. And not, not saying that it was done in the cheap, but it was cheaper compared to Fantasia, and. It was just a kind of state of affairs. And you're right. Walt was a futurist. And it's like, okay, we need to keep this going. So let's find another way of uh, generating revenue. But after seeing Cinderella, like what was like some of your favorite like movie theater, like memories, like some of the highlights of going to the movie theaters? Probably, you know, seeing things like Star Wars at midnight or um, like seeing the Harry Potter films in theaters. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. And, uh, yeah, I think stuff like that where for a while before we were able to like, you know, designate a spot, you would have to like dedicate a whole evening to like standing in line and waiting outside sometimes trying to get in. But there was just like a level of hype. Now, don't get me wrong. I much prefer buying a seat ahead and I don't do midnight anymore. But at the time it was very exciting. And so those are some good memories I have. Very nice. I mean, I think uh, I didn't do midnight releases that much. I think like the one like the midnight release that stands in mind for me was seeing the Dark Knight trilogy um, back to back to back with the release of Dark Knight Rises at midnight and mm-hmm. the, the whirlwind of that was trying to uh, just <laughs> a this like 
the endurance test to sing through all three of those movies and then the drive home afterwards. I'm just glad I went to the closest theater. Like, it was barely two miles away from my house, so it was um, not too bad for me. Especially as somebody who's fallen asleep behind the wheel before, which is not fun. It is very scary when you wake up while you're behind the wheel of a car. Um, uh, yeah, that's terrifying and unsafe. <laughs> yes. No, Be careful. Like, it's drive all- safe, everyone. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, it's only happened to me once, but I remember well, I was in... Good. It was like three lane road, the highway, and I'm, uh, I'm driving down, and I was coming back from my friend Mike's house, and like, like I blink, and then I, next thing I know, I'm like my tires are like, with the yeah. rut, like the things on the side of the road. I'm like, oh, I'm over here now. Oh, <laughs> I think everyone's shit. experienced that at least once for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's the downside where I'm able to fall asleep anywhere at any time. It, I, I say it's the benefit, like. I, I could fall asleep on type of a uh, rusty uh, wooden crate with nails sticking out of it, and I could find that to be comfortable. The problem is, if I'm in some, some sense of comfortability, I can fall asleep too easily. Gotcha. But, and you're right, like seeing stuff like Star Wars and kind of touchstone movies in the movie theater, it just is. Sure, we're, like, I guess we're being very nostalgic about that. And I know it's a. I know being nostalgic could be a double-edged sword, especially mm-hmm. people around our age, because like, oh, you're just being nostalgic and like, like you're being a, a real Gen X or a boomer or like, all right, <laughs> whatever, dude. Like, wait till face- they get there. You know, there's a reason why all these, all all these old people love it so much. I mean, I think it's just a natural progression. Oh yeah, everybody gets old, <laughs> and you know what? The one, the people who are. Who are very like of the moment right now? One day you'll be old and consider the out of touch people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm slowly realizing that as I approach thirty, I'm like, you know what? The stuff I really like, I'm really, um, I'm gonna be considered old to some people. Yeah, you're gonna be one year away from like, oh, my music was better back in the day and stuff like that. I'm always trying so hard not to turn into that person. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why, like, I didn't listen to the music of my t- day anyway. Like, I'm not a Linkin Park fan or Blink-182 fan, so that's why like, I can't really I can't really give people shit for that. Uh, so, but, like, if I, if you ever catch me, like, calling somebody out, like, well, back in my day, or, like, music was a little bit better when I was my, younger, you have permission to slap me, Lisa, because, you know what, just to keep me in check and realize, okay, you're turning <laughs> into an old person. Right, we'll hold each other accountable. Exactly. <laughs> but the reason why I correlate this with movie theater is because I'm not that much of a religious person anymore, but like the closest thing do I have to a ritual that I engage with is going to the movie theaters. I mean, prior to this year, I would go several times a month. Like I was this close to signing up to AMC... Uh, like was it? Was it Star I never Pass? remembered the name of it. It's like the Stub List or something. The AMC Stub List. I don't know. I I, I had a a membership to that. Yeah. Right, because like you could justify it because you go to the movies so much. Like, yeah, I mm-hmm. can justify the twenty five dollars a month. Like, I go to a movie and I buy uh, popcorn. I pretty much cover the cost for a month right there. Yeah, and it was just getting to a point where. Especially with when I started like the Patreon for my show, I had to have content. So it was like, well, you know, I need to go see new movies. Um, And so that required some kind of membership just to make it to where it wasn't like 
hella expensive because you know for me like i i rarely go alone so i i you know if it's me and my husband that's usually like thirty dollars right there so yeah it saved us money to do that for sure right and now i'm just imagining you like you consuming things in order to generate content via patreon you just look like kirby just like just take in all <laughs> the media that you it can was challenging. In order to... <laughs> and so many people are so much better at that like they're able to see every single movie and i'm like well i can't do that i'm doing my best here but you know i i i like you that was mainly what we did and i i didn't mention it before but most recently you know you and i've talked about it a lot i was obsessed with alamo i was always going to like their you know retro screenings and their new releases and i'd eat dinner there and i'd have drinks there i mean I spent a lot of time there. And so, you know, when all this happened, when, when movie theaters shut down, that ended a huge part of my social life um, and had to kind of redirect um, somewhere else. But yeah, I mean, I saw at least, you know, two or three movies a month. Right. And I was the same way. I mean, um, my family like got together to like every year we like we celebrate like, the life and memory of my uh, my uncle Robert, and we were just talking amongst ourselves. And there was a few friends that came came to uh, my one of my cousin's houses, and is asking like, "Oh, so what's the update and everything?" We're being socially distant and responsible, and and the, my dad brings me up like, "Ah, there goes my son. He hasn't left his room in six months." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, <laughs> like I like what the fuck do you want me to do?" My, <laughs> but my, but the place I went to to be the most social shut down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, it's just, I remember when it happened, I was like, oh, how am I going to make it these next few weeks or these next couple of months cut to eight months later? Like <laughs> not, we're not back to normal. So yeah, it's a big, it's a big shift for sure. Right. I guess like we'll stop dancing around the topic and we'll get to the meat of the issue here is that what is the future for movie theaters going forward right now because we have places being shut down like indefinitely in mm -hmm. in, in terms of like until a situation becomes more palatable for people to be able to, to congregate in order to do something like this to go to a movie we have a backlog of movies that we're waiting to see including james bond we have a wonder woman uh Top Gun, Fast and the Furious, just to, that's just a few off the top of my head. Black Widow, sure. Suicide Squad, The well, Suicide Squad, The Suicide <laughs> Squad. I mean, like that's not at, supposed to be due out until next year, oh, okay, but okay. but like but that's another one. But now that has in competition with yeah. everything else that was supposed the to be Batman? out this year. Yeah, but again, I'm going ahead. Right, and so like. How do you feel about those movies being delayed until 2021? You know, the honest truth is I'm comfortable with it because I don't think this is over. You know, I don't want to get like overly political on your podcast or anything. But um, if you look at what's going on in the rest of the world right now, I think we're going to mirror that. And I think it's just going to be a while. And even if there's you know, a vaccine, it's going to take a long time for that to reach more than essential people like the medical field. And, you know, at, at least in my state, uh, we opened back up pretty quick. And, um, you know, restaurants were like the first thing to open back up. And then slowly, I mean, Six Flags is open. And 
you know, stuff that's not really considered essential. And I think bars are open a little bit. Um, but, you know, movie theaters are also open and that hasn't led to a big revenue. And that tells me that people are willing to take risks, just not at the movie theaters, right? I mean, number one, nothing's coming out. <laughs> but then number two, I feel like you would think people would be itching to get out even to see older movies, but they're they're not. So that says something about the digital age that we're in as well and streaming, um, that people feel like they can comfortably get the same experience at home. Now, I disagree with that, <laughs> as being a, a huge supporter of movie theaters, but I'm saying the general population is like, do I risk it or do I just stay home and stream it? And I think a lot of people were already choosing to stay home and stream it. And this latest thing that's happened has only like hastened that. Yeah. I mean, like you, like how you support the Alamo draft house, um, I would go to revival movie houses in the New York area. Like the most famous one I go to is the cinema arts center. That's the one I frequent the most. Mm -hmm. Um, where a retro picture show usually shows as a double bill of horror movies on 35 millimeter film, or I'll, I'll go into the city and I'll go to the Village East Cinema. That's why I saw 2001 on 70 millimeter. That's why I saw Joker and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on 70 millimeter. Um, like I think I played hooky for one day to go see The Thing uh, last year or two years ago. Um, I've on seen 35 the thing in theaters too. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there's there's something about a good horror movie or a good comedy with a crowd. Even if like the two of those genres like can be kind of mediocre, but if you have a right crowd just with their finger on the pulse of the movie, even if the movie's bad, you can like have a great experience with it because you can laugh in the movie, or if you mm -hmm. have a genuinely scary moment, the whole crowd reacts and like it just elevates the experience that you wouldn't get from a one to three person situation sitting in your living room. For sure. I mean, there is an energy to the audience, you know, and I think that's in almost every movie, but probably the most dra dramatic or intense in a comedy or a horror movie, like you're saying. Yeah. Like I, I think back to last year where it's Thursday night and myself and 349 other people crammed into a movie theater to see Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. And just the thought of that sounds like, like I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like a bygone age when I say that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the my personal feeling is if I have to wait for something to be safe, then I'm willing to do that. Um, and I know there's probably a lot of people that don't, feel that way or wish that things were different but i think the studio is looking at what happened like with mulan and tenet and they're thinking you know it's going to be to our benefit to wait right and i know people in other parts of the world who are under the leadership of a responsible government where <laughs> everything is far more 
safe. I mean, I saw footage of New Zealand. I think it was a rugby uh, match, and the whole place was filled, and everybody was safe and well. They had like comic book conventions and stuff. Like I'm right. like, no, that's so unfair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, like, and this is also New Zealand reelected their prime minister, who also the person who banned guns there after a massive uh, shooting that happened, I think, last year or early or late 2018. The one who like who Facebook lived that shooting. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed like they have a responsible leader in control. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> uh, um, so and I know they're saying, like, why not just release it to one country and, like, wait for another country to get piracy is a thing. Yeah. And I think that a lot of these big budget movies rely on a global market. And if you're missing a key part of that global market, it's not going to be profitable. I mean, we've just reached that point in movies where their budgets are so big that, and their their marketing campaigns are so big that it's not going to be enough money if they just release it in one place. No, I mean, um, James Cameron's Avatar was the highest grossing movie for new, uh, for over, yeah, just about 10 years. and. Mm-hmm. It was also the most pirated movie of all time. They lost hundreds of millions of dollars just in piracy alone. I'm sure. I mean, that's a concern with everything, movies and TV. Yeah, and and you wonder, like, sure, like, okay, say they released it to the Eastern Hemisphere. And what's the stat for the Western Hemisphere and everybody else to steal it and have no reason to go to the movie theater when it's eventually released here? Yeah, and, and just all the leaked pictures and spoilers and stuff. I mean, it, it's like by the time it comes out, we'll feel like we have seen it. Exactly. And now not advocating just open up movie theaters and let the cards fall. Like, no, 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 no. I, I want to be safe and responsible here. I just want a – and this is a first world problem. I realize this. <laughs> and I would just like a – some kind of insurance that movie theaters will be able to survive the foreseeable future. You know, I personally think that they will. I just think it will be really different. I think that, I mean, do you want to get into like the future now or are we jumping ahead? Might, might as well. Might, okay. like, this is the, that's the, the topic has led in that direction. So might as well. Okay. So I've been kind of pitching this idea for a while um, but when, like, I guess to use, I guess, history, when, you know, people used to paint and then photography came out, painting didn't go away. When, you know, radio came out, uh, it didn't go, you know, books didn't go away. And then when TV came out, radio didn't go away. Things change. They evolve. And I think, you know, same with like plays and theater. There's still Broadway shows. There's still theater. Why do people attend that when they could just watch a movie why do they care so much about a live performance? But they do. And so I think with movie theaters, they're going to change and evolve. We're not going to see as many movies in theaters anymore. I think there's a lot of movies that have been released on Netflix this year. And after we watched them, I, you know, I told my husband, I'm like, can you imagine actually going to the theater for this? Or like we were watching like Paranormal Activity 3. I like that movie. It's entertaining. But it's like a B-horror. Like I don't think people would rush to the theater to see that anymore you know so i think some movies will have that driving power that gets people into a theater that want to see it in imax that want to have that experience and then some movies won't and i think you know it will become more 
I think eventually, like, everything will be both streamed and in theaters, and going to the theater will be a choice, like it's a choice to go to a retro arcade or something. <laughs> I've... You're probably right there, and it will be... You know, like, how in the 1950s, with the, the explosion of television, how did the movie studios respond with giant musicals? Things shot in 3D, things shot in... Mm-hmm. That's a really good comparison. Super Panavision and what have you. Things that, like, you need a mountain to project this on. Like, that's how big the, the screen will need to be to, in order to encompass this movie. Exactly. Like, people went from getting their news at movie theaters to not having that there at all and getting that at home. So it's like, you have to change with the times. I mean... This year, you probably saw, like, on my feed and, and through the stuff that I'm posting, um, you know, my local film festival right away launched into a digital film festival, trying to kind of keep up with what's happening. And, I, you know, I was getting really sad. There are so many film festivals that I've missed seeing in person this year and so many projects. But I think, you know, Bart Weiss had a really good point when he said, you know, we just have to change with the times. Technology is changing. This is also exciting. Like, instead of being so sad that things are changing, like, be excited and invest in, you know, uh, the film scene in different ways. You know, I've been going to drive-in movies, <laughs> you know, recently. Never thought about doing that a whole lot before. I, I, I had a couple of times. There's a couple drive-ins here. Uh, there was two. Now there's just one. But I had thought about doing that a lot, and I kept making excuses not to. Well, pretty soon that became my literal only option <laughs> with the pandemic. And a lot of local theaters, including the Texas Theater, started setting up their own drive-ins. And I went a couple times. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a step back in time. I don't know how sustainable that is or how long that will go on. But it just shows that, you know, people get creative and, and, they, and things change. Right. Like, it, it's... Something that I'm jealous of because we don't have a drive-in in the local area. Like, we have pop-up ones, and the one I tried to go to, their, shite, their site was shite, pretty much, and I couldn't get a ticket. Yeah, uh, I did notice that, like, there was one called, like, Rooftop Cinema Club, and it looked awesome. It was, like, on a rooftop in downtown, and they had, like, all these food trucks. Like, it was great. But, like, the tickets were, like, 24 five or you know thirty dollars each and then they would be sold out like weeks in advance and i was like okay well i guess i'm not doing that i guess everybody had that same idea that's why you go to a adjoining rooftop and you you heckle <laughs> the people right or i start selling my own tickets yeah <laughs> have my own drive-in like you just become like those fans of the chicago cubs who don't go to the game but they sit on the bleachers on the rooftops outside exactly. of wrigley field <laughs> Yes. You just bring telescopes. He's like, I think, I think that person's going in for a kiss. I can't tell. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> um, yeah, like like in places where climate is more amicably sound, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know like one of the podcasts I'm listening to, like they're out of Tallahassee, Florida, and mm -hmm. they were thinking about starting their own drive-in theater, but <laughs> what happens when it rains? It, pop-up uh, drive-in theater does not really work in the rain, and it happens to rain nearly every day in the state of Florida. I was going to say that. Yeah, that's not a very good area to have that in. And I think, like, where you live, you know, it's more congested, I guess, you know, like, it, especially, like, in New York City, I don't 
think that, you know, assuming like picking a big city that you're near, like, I don't think that that would really work there. But in Texas, like everyone drives everywhere all the time. So like, you know, that's why people can have pop up ones here at all. But it doesn't work in every state and it doesn't work in every uh, in every environment. Right. It just depends on the scenario of where they are. Um, like the, the pop-up one was at a local mall not too far from me, which yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that's a good be- idea. Yeah, and it was in the corner of the parking lot. So literally, you're all pointing in one direction. And I'm just super mad how I found out about this place because I went to go into the Barnes & Noble in the same parking lot. And what do they have on the base screen but Batman 89? Oh, man. I saw your post about that. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, like, they the followed... Hell? Right, and like, um, just get, I get in my car and I look over my shoulder. And I'm like, that woman's gonna t- get Joker faced pretty quickly, and then the whole, <laughs> and we're gonna get, get interrupted by a commercial. How am I seeing that on a giant screen? And then they followed up with Batman sixty six, and I'm like, oh come on, this is bullshit. And right. yeah, and so drive-ins are not the best solution going forward, not for everybody at least. And you're right that I do think movie theaters will become a going out to the theater experience. Yeah, I think they'll be like, here we have something called, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, Free play where it's like an old school arcade and you pay like 10 bucks to play whatever arcade games you want and you can drink and eat and stuff. I kind of think it'll be something like that where it draws a certain crowd. Uh, that of movie nerds that want to go out and do that. And I think there will still be some big releases, but I mean, look at like the Mandalorian. Like, I mean, that's like star Wars content straight to your TV. You know what I mean? It's like whoever thought something that big budget would be streaming like that. So it, it, I think things have definitely shifted. Right. And like, there's an article out there, um, articles, I should say, how they were able to accomplish so many groundbreaking effects in a TV show. They used like a video game uh, Unreal Engine to really do the camera, a lot of the effects in camera. So like, it's literally uh, Pedro Pascal walking on a treadmill and they're just projecting the background onto a screen behind him. And yeah, and it's just like okay, that's really clever and. And I guess just filming, like, whatever, if he they go on to shoot uh, season three, he's probably the safest person on that, uh, that uh, <laughs> set. He's like, whoo, yeah. thank God I got this helmet. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah, and so, and I think the reason why I'm so, I don't want the things to change because, like, I'm a filmmaker first and foremost, and I've always wanted, I've always dreamt about seeing my movie playing in a movie theater. And I am coming to the realization, whatever stuff I make, it's probably just going to be to, it'll be 90% it will be for online viewing. And then very luckily, very seldom it will be in a movie theater being seen by people. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can understand that and sympathize with that. If that, you know, your passion is filmmaking I mean, you want an audience. You want to enjoy it with your audience. It's like a double-edged sword that there's so many streaming options because on the one hand, you can distribute your stuff pretty fast. But then on the other hand, um, I don't know if you if you have thoughts on this, but like 
Netflix, Disney, a lot of other companies are changing the game when it comes to streaming such that they're really in control of what's getting out there and what isn't. And they're very invested in like, you know, established IP. And let's say they hire you to write an established IP character or films, you know, direct something like that, then it's kind of not yours. And so it, it's weird. It's like it's turning into that old Hollywood system of like everything is theirs again. And that kind of worries me as well. But that's a tangent, I guess, for another time. But yeah, I just think in general, um, I think that you'll have those still. I think you'll still be able to attend screenings with your audience. I think it'll just be either smaller or just overall there will be less screens. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I, I'm i chasing the dragon if, when it comes to that kind of satisfaction is because the first short film I ever did, like the first one I, I consider that, that I really put my heart and soul into was for a 48-hour film festival or film challenge that my college did. And, like, you given... I was, it was make, you have to make a horror movie. Here's you have to include like one of these props or one of these lines. Awesome! And you, I and love you, those kind of contests. We have something like that here. <laughs> yeah, they're so much fun because like okay, you get a few friends together and you don't sleep for an yeah. entire weekend. And from idea to delivery, you have forty eight hours. And the following weekend, you showcase them to whatever audience shows up into your auditorium. And so I got a whole theater of 150 people to jump in fright from a from something from that short film. And so since then, I'm like, okay, like I want to be able to do that for my entire life. I want to be able to generate that kind of effect on people. And how this experience is going, sure, like I'm sure the people who made Bird Box uh, probably got a lot of satisfaction, but not seeing people in a theater react to it, it was probably a little disappointing. I'm, I might be projecting there or not. I mean, yeah, it would be interesting to get people like that's opinion on stuff. Like, I mean, think about, you know, Bly Manor is out right now on Netflix. Great, great show. House on Haunting Hill. Like those also don't have audiences, right? So where, you know, the, the only feedback they can see is just online, right? By how many people download it and watch it. And that's it. Yes, and the the faceless metadata collectors of Netflix telling them you've done a good job. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they are portrayed by the Nazgul from Lord of the Rings. I think those are the ones who control <laughs> the data of Netflix. Seriously. Um, and you're right. It, it is going back to what you were saying before. Like now that there was a law that was overturned, it was to protect. It was supposed to. It was kind of like a breaking up of a. Uh, monopolies of like how back in the day in the old studio system where studios own their own movie theaters Mm -hmm. and it was like okay from idea to distribution movie theater uh movie studios owned their entire process including people under contracts and those were broken up because of antitrust laws but that was overturned i believe either late last year or early this year so, like, Netflix can own, does own a movie theater. Um, pretty soon, if movie theaters do come back, I will not be surprised to see movie theaters owned by, or, or movie theater chains now owned by AT&T or Disney or Amazon. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. I, w- I, 
I had a conversation with someone in my family who is very pro, like, you know, oh, well, that's the American dream and, you know, the earned it kind of mindset. And I'm like, I think if you go back in your history books and you look at, like, what happened to people like Buster Keaton or, you know, a lot of old Hollywood stars and really, you know, inventive visionary people, uh, that system of, you know, having them under contract, forcing them to churn out a bunch of content it's damaging to their to the process. I mean that you end up with stuff that is not their best. And you can see that reflected in their work. So it's like it's it's not a good idea because a lot of our favorite movies that have come out um like you know like on your podcast you're talking about back to the future something like that doesn't happen under that model. You know, because it's like it's it becomes very restricted and, well, we're only going to put out what we think is going to work 100% of the time. And when no one creative is in charge of what comes out, then you don't get creative stuff, you know. Right. I mean, there's a reason why the Screen Actors Guild was created. Mm-hmm. It was to protect actors from unsafe working conditions and... um and the hellish uh, things they had to go through to make movies. Right. And I think, like I said, a lot of this is it's so far in the rearview mirror that people are kind of like, I mean, unless you like read up on that and know that, you know, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So you're just kind of like, well, what's wrong with, you know, one company being in charge of everything? And it's like, well, it didn't it doesn't always work out well. <laughs> no, because then like we are Speeding to the world of Wally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you know, people are always complaining. Um, oh, there's no original content out there. Well, this is gonna, you know, destroy original content. So if you care about that, you should care about this. Yeah, and like, but those are also the same people who said there's nothing to watch, even though they are signed up for seven <laughs> streaming services at once. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> Yeah, there's like Quibi put out original content. Why didn't you support that? I have this, this, I don't know. I have like a code, my own code of like what I will and won't sign up for. And I've seen a lot of new streaming stuff come out and then not do well. So I tend to like really, you know, wait. Um, And exceptions have been like the DC Universe app. I went ahead and did that. And then like Disney Plus. I'm like, these feel like sure things. Even though now the Disney app is going to evolve into something else. But still, I felt like these are big enough names to where I'm going to hitch my horse to this. But otherwise, it would not have. Right. The only reason why I show I signed up to Apple TV Plus is because I bought a new iPhone within the past two months. Yeah, I don't even have that one. And I have an Apple TV. <laughs> so that tells you something. Yeah. I mean, like, you can get the, the blockbuster hit of Tom Hanks's Greyhound. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, mm, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, like, it is curious here. Like, And, like, maybe maybe these giant corporations buying movie theaters could be a benefit. It could be hedging the bets. It could save them. Yeah. Like, like, it could say, like, okay, like I, like last year, I went to go see The Irishman in, in the movies before it came out on Netflix because I wanted to see it. How? Oh lordy, that that's a long movie. <laughs> yes, it was, and like, like the movie, like, and I got a large cherry coke, and I'm just like, I'm just gonna sit here and enjoy it. Damn, I, 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 I started watching the movie sitting straight up, 
and by the end, I'm like just like slinking down in my seat, just like mm, just like don't pee yourself, don't pee yourself, don't do it. Was and, it Ray that was like, I'm not drinking any liquids, I'm not eating any food like an hour before and i was like man i just cannot do that <laughs> i can't it's just part of being there for me yeah i mean like that, that's the place where like oh like my go-to like like i'll have a bottle of water and a, some sort of candy whether it be like a box of like the bunch of like crunch like bites or m&ms or what have you and like if i want to get special like i'll get a soda but like those are like rare occasions but not having anything in the movie theater, that's just weird. Yeah. I don't know. It's like I'm going out, you know? I want to, like, enjoy myself. Exactly. And whenever, like, when my friend Nikki and I, whenever we see movies, like, yes, we'll buy the overpriced nachos and extra <laughs> cheese, please. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when we go to Alamo, it's like I get dinner, like an okay dinner that, I mean, they don't change the menu often, so you're kind of getting the same thing, and I walk out of there and look at my receipt, and I'm always horrified, because I've already spent like $30, and then I spend like, I don't know, 70 more dollars, and yeah, it's a lot, but I'm, I, I was like addicted to it, <laughs> you know, I did a lot, I've saved a lot of money these past few months. Well, yeah, I mean, I just hope you just like, like a lot of people, it's like, all right, we we stop spending money on this, but we start spending money on all this online shopping. Yeah, not not excessively. Um, I guess our thing was going out to eat or going to the movies. So, you know, the, with that kind of curtailed, and e even when you do like takeout, it's still significantly cheaper because you're not. Well, for us, like we we, it, we would go out to eat and then also get like one or two drinks, and that would add like between two people that adds like you know twenty dollars to every tab so uh we've saved a lot of money well that's good <laughs> um and it is curious like to see how like ha i i wonder would it be beneficial to release some of these movies to streaming like like okay not streaming but like all right pay-per-view like okay yeah, I I think there are some on that list that I would be totally fine streaming, and I know that that would hurt some feelings, but I'd be cool with it. I, all right, they, you can't just say that and not name names. You're going to have to spill the beans on what movies would you be okay paying for to see at home. You might have to jog my memory a little bit, but like Black Widow comes to mind. Right. Not super invested in that. Um I would even be okay with Wonder Woman, which I know that people would be like, no, because I mean, it's like we had the first one already and that was like such a big milestone. So the second one, I'm like, well, I could see that from home. Um, not Batman. I do want to wait for that. Um, I'm going to end up streaming Tenet, even though I'd prefer to see it in a theater. Um, but again, I'm okay with them holding some stuff off. What about Bond? Wow, I would much rather see Bond at the theater. <laughs> yeah. Um, if it's not possible, I will stream it. But, uh, yeah, that would hurt. Right. I mean, it, it's just... It's cinematic. I, it's something that deserves to be... Anyway, yeah. I mean, hindsight being 2020, the lamest joke of this year... The fact that both both <laughs> yeah. Wonder Woman and Bond was supposed to come out last year and got pushed to 2020. Yep. Yeah. It's painful. That's Fucking why Joker. <laughs> yeah. 
it's painful, but it is what it is. Yeah. Or as our president would say. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Terrible joke. No. It's, it, I take the virus very seriously. I disagree with our current president. I'm going to say current because hopefully things will change. Yes. <laughs> no, like, this will be dropping on election day anyway. So. Oh, damn. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I feel sorry for future me no matter what happens. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, like I, it is like Wonder Woman was supposed to come out in November last year, but like they thought that being so close to Joker would have cannibalized that box office. Um, so they pushed out to 2020, and No Time for Die was same thing. That was pushed to 2020. Oh, that one hurts, yeah. And, and the fact that it's it's going to be the last Craig Bond movie, and if I if I was a betting man, it's probably going to be the last James Bond 007 movie. Really? I I don't know. I don't think so. But that's an interesting take. I don't know. I think I, there'll be another one. I think there'll be another 007 movie. Oh, I see what you're saying. You don't think the name will be James Bond? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Maybe. Like, I can see the moniker going on. Like, like we have the, the, the one actress who seems to be his replacement while he's left the 00 sector. Like, I can see them continuing on with her as 007. Yeah, maybe. Or at least establishing that it could be a different person. Right. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Like, double O's numbers, like, go from person to person. And I know that that goes with a lot of people's theories. Like, James Bond is just a moniker. And, like, they, there was that idea kicking around where we could have had all the actors who's played James Bond in the past show up in one movie. Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny how far we've come, though, from just a few years ago where people were like, James Bond can't be black. And now it's like even silly that we're worried that anyone would bring that up now like yeah I, I feel like we've we've i mean now the new problem is like what if she's a woman but like i feel like slowly uh our audience has realized how ridiculous that is <laughs> you know like it just feels like people are so much more open to that now uh than they were like five years ago i mean i would hope that's the general consensus yeah, maybe I mean, I'm being optimistic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like like I I can because I think like James Bond is a Cold War character. Like I would not be surprised like after they reboot it and they just go back to the 1960s and they, all the next Bond movies are period pieces. That would be cool. I'd be down with that. Yeah, I mean, hell, like Tarantino wanted to do his version of Christina Royale in the 60s in black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting, too, is like we're so attached to James Bond. But when you talk to someone that's actually even around your age or a little younger, um, they don't care about him as much. Like the guy that I had on my show to talk about Kingsman, he told me he'd never seen a single Bond movie. And well, and when he watched Kingsman, he was like, I really like this. But he didn't really know, like, what it was referencing. He didn't really watch spy movies. And I was thinking about it, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, um, there was a big gap in between the Bond films, and so I think there's, like, a whole generation of people that are like, who cares, you know? So I don't know, like, they'll definitely have to either cater to an older audience or evolve the character and make it more contemporary. Like I said, I like it, but I've just noticed that younger people aren't as in love with it. I mean, if you take time in between each sequel the same length that it would take Stanley Kubrick to make a movie, you're going to lose some fans. 
Yeah, they're kind of like, well, that's something my grandpa likes, or you know what I mean? It's like, it's getting further in the rear view, so they got to do something to, to change it, I think. Yeah, I mean, Bond movies used to be two to three years max in between entries. Yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, uh, it was so important. It was like, it would be like saying like, okay, there's no more Batman, you know, it didn't seem possible. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll have to see where that where that goes for sure. Yeah. And that Tarantino Casino Royale idea was was a solid, and it was tangible as his Star Trek movie. <laughs> I knew that wasn't going to happen. Watch me say that; it somehow does happen, though. I mean, fuck it. I mean, the the, <laughs> the world's been so weird right now. Like, you know what? Like, I am not like as how Andy says when it comes to like Zack Snyder's Justice like nothing surprises me at this point so don't <laughs> tr- set any kind of expectations up for it because they're going to be subverted somehow yeah that's true I mean that's another way to look at what's happening is like lots of changes are coming like who knows there's a lot of possibilities yeah and the fact that that's like okay that's going to HBO Max and that's shaping up to be the biggest release of next year yeah and you know there's going to come a time uh, because of all these pushbacks and how long it takes to make a movie, we're going to have like a big dry spell even when this is like all quote unquote over. So I wonder if like what's going to fill that, you know, time? Are we going to see like a resurgence of found footage movies or something? You know, what what's going to happen to, you know, are we going to start churning out films faster? Like, I wonder what will happen in that time too. Haunted Zoom calls. Lots of haunted Zoom calls. <laughs> you know, there's some good ones. <laughs> so, I'm, yeah, I'm not I, a hater against found footage anyway, so. Yeah, as long as it doesn't involve a newscaster masturbating on the Zoom call thinking he'd close it out. <sighs> so many questions about that. Um, not that I want answered, but just questions. <laughs> like, I, I, I just dumped that, like, it's easy to exit out a window and close out Zoom. Like, I, like. I assume he's a little bit of technologically advanced. And plus, that's a work computer. Don't do that on your work computer because you're going to have to give that back eventually. When I read the article, it, it kind of sounded to me like he had two things going on at the same time. And the other thing was on a chat. I think <sighs> that's why it happened. It's still insane, if not even more insane. Um, and also the level of confidence that man had that he could toggle between those two things is... It's something. Word choice right there. Toggle between two different things right there. <laughs> yeah, well. It's yeah. not, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, maybe we'll see more of like, you know, you mentioned earlier the 48 hour film race, you know, something like that. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it definitely seems like we're going to be seeing less, more stuff done on, in the studio and not on location. For sure. It's just easier because they can, like, control, like, who's being tested and, you know, who comes on and off set and stuff like that. Unless you got your wild Batmans out there getting COVID. Right. I mean, like, (laughs) there was a – if you ever, like, if you want a a masterclass in filmmaking podcasting, track down anything – any of the interviews that Christopher McQuarrie's done on the Mission Impossible movies because they're worth their weight in gold. Mm. And – he did this one, I think it was like with Jeff Goldman, uh, not Jeff Goldblum, but it was Goldsmith. It's like it's called the Q and A, and did like this two hour episode on uh, Mission Impossible uh, Fallout. 
I mean, if you want to listen to that, and then his Macquarie's two-part interview on on the Empire Film Podcast, it's like you have like close to six hours worth of content talking about that movie. But Macquarie goes into his th- his two movies that he directed for the Mission Impossible franchises had delays in them, like Rogue Nation. I forget what the hell the um, delay was, and so production ran long. Mm-hmm. Um, Fallout. Tom Cruise broke his ankle, so there was a break in production for about six weeks. And then, obviously, they started shooting at the beginning of this year, and then COVID happened. Now, there has been footage of seeing them filming with masks on, and, like, Tom Cruise being on camera with wearing a mask. Um, so, and we all know what happens. You can't just CGI things off people's faces and people will buy it. <laughs> Yeah. So I assume that Macquarie's going to incorporate that somehow into the story in some way, shape, or fashion. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like, oh, yeah, so we had this amount of time for Rogue Nation, this much time to follow up, these many months for Mission Impossible 7. Right. And But it's also one of the most heartwarming things, just like behind-the-scenes video that seems just... Tom Cruise sitting on the edge of a moving train, waiting for a shot to be set up, and his waiting at the cars passing by, and I'm like, <laughs> like, of course, Tom Cruise, man, has no fear and has Jedi mind trick powers. For sure. Anyway, so okay, like then, is there a ceiling that you're willing to pay for a movie theater experience whenever movie theaters return, if they return? Knock on wood. That's a good question. I don't know. I I, I think if anything, they're going to have to lower the price at first to get people back in. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm comfortable paying what I was paying before, but not much more. Yeah, I think it's... I think we're both in a place of privilege to say that because neither of us have children or large families. For sure. Uh, I I recognize that if you have a family of four, that's a whole thing. And even if you try to go just you and your significant other, if you have kids, then you have to get someone to babysit them. Like, it's a whole decision. But in general, that's always going to be an obstacle, too. Right, and that that just reminds me of a a quote from Alfred Hitchcock. He says, a movie should be worth a dinner, price of admission, and a night's work of a babysitter. Mm. I like that. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, I just hope it doesn't, like, you're probably right that they'll probably have to, like, I know in Florida, like, like 14 second, like 14 cent tickets or something ridiculous low to get people in to see the movies there. Um, so I think, like, they're going to have to lower their prices initially, but I hope it doesn't become, like, Broadway. Where, right, where it's, like, 70, 80, 100, several hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not a live performance, so I don't know if they can do that. No, but I hope it doesn't become, like, a really like, boutique uh, thing, like, oh, we're going out to the theater, and you're going to yeah. get a... Like, they'll kind of spruce it up in order to justify the price. Like, oh, you got to have a dress code, and here you get, a, like, a a playbill and everything to go see a movie. And the kinds of movies that are going to be going to the theaters are going to become 
I think far more niche things that are surefire bets, even more so than they had been for the past like ten years. Yeah, I th- I think so. I mean, I do think it's going to become more boutiquey, and you know, uh, before all this happened, places like Alamo capitalized on well hey we don't just offer food we offer good food and we don't just offer drinks we offer good drinks so i think that it will probably be stuff like that um but but i'm not sure i guess we'll see yeah and but then you think of like filmmakers who have a unique vision like david fincher the coen brothers and so on who their most recent projects have just been streaming Mm mm-hmm yeah. Because I mean, yeah, it's like their their content does not necessarily cater to the big screen the way that, you know, Avengers Endgame does. <laughs> yeah, their voices are idiosyncratic to say the least. And like that's why I'm, I like the thing I'm looking forward to the most at the end of this year is seeing Mank because it's a new David Fincher movie and yeah. Starring Gary Oldman, it's going to be about Citizen Kane or the making of Citizen Kane. Like, I'm all, I'm all in for it. For sure. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Especially since they said they're not going to make any more Mine Hunters. Yeah, I mean, I understand why because of it was a very expensive show to make and it mm-hmm. was grueling to do so. Yeah, with his level of attention to detail, that w- that would be a nightmare, like, <laughs> in serial form. Right. Like, um, I found out that Mank, Fincher's next movie, do you know how many production days they shot on for that movie? No. 210. Dang. And Die Hard was shot in 80. <laughs> yeah. So... Needless to say, <laughs> like I understand why movie studios don't want to give a huge paycheck, write a huge check for Fincher and his particular way of making movies. Not saying it's bad or anything like that, because yeah. you look at his filmography and it shows the level of detail he he takes with each project. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, like I hope uh, people people find this episode enjoyable not just us bitching for an hour about like (laughs) back in our day we got to see all kinds of movies in the movie theater yeah it's interesting you know as we go forward what will the younger generation think are they like why would i waste all that time doing that you know like how are they gonna feel about it it's i i don't know i'm not i'm not down about it though if i'm honest i think things will change but i'm not i'm not upset at least not currently Right. I, I, I guess it's just me being afraid of change. That's all. I think that's what this whole episode, this podcast is just a, a, uh, Mid, it's like a midlife crisis for us. <laughs> We're like, no, new chapter. Yeah. Like back in, like, this is such a back in my day kind of discussion. I recognize that and I apologize. I should be looking forward to the future and seeing what kind of comes out of it. And I think, I think the best case scenario is that if a vaccine is is widely distributed and movie theaters can be open safely, there could be a influx 
uh, participation with movie theaters. That's that's kind of what I think. I think that things will, you know, like I see all these articles that are like, well, that's the nail in the coffin, you know, that that's the end of movies. And I'm like, I think it's way too early to know for sure. That's just my opinion. I'm not an expert, <laughs> but that's what I think. And I think that when people are finally able to get out, they're going to want to do that a lot. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think it may actually generate a lot of revenue for movie theaters but again these are guesses we don't know yeah we'll just have to wait and see like um like i i i want to want to know what's going to be like in, for concerts in the mm-hmm. future yeah i mean yeah because it's kind of like especially since like a lot of concerts are outside it seems like that would be safer but i don't know i guess we'll have to see what that looks like a year from now Oh God, that sounds exhausting already. <laughs> yeah, like I just felt like a an extra weight hit my shoulders after you said that. <laughs> I know. I feel like I have like this. I don't know if you're like me, but it's like sometimes I'm like I'm fine, everything's fine, and then like a month in, you know, there's always one day a month where I'm like, oh my God, everything has changed, and I'm like very upset about it for like a day. It's usually because of Facebook. It um, does that like memory thing where it's like, remember you a year ago when you weren't quarantined? And so that's what I blame it on. Yeah, I mean, like those memories, those feelings hit me as soon as I walk past a a mirror and I get a glimpse of my own reflection. <laughs> and I scream and I'm like, ah, oh, oh, right, right, right. That's where we are right now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't recognize me anymore exactly <laughs> you're it, like it, uh like uh tom uh tom hanks and Castaway. like oh god who's that <laughs> um like I, i'm surprised when all of us are not talking to uh volleyballs for the past uh eight months <laughs> pretty much like i even said that clip of of Tom Hanks arguing with Wilson, like, saying, like, well, at least I'll be here, uh, I'll try, and not spend my time talking to a goddamn volleyball! And he throws Wilson <laughs> out of the cave. I had a good friend the other day that was saying they missed everybody in our little group. And I said, well, you know, let's do a Zoom call. And he went, meh, I don't wanna. I'm like, I know, right? Like, I miss everybody, and yet I still kind of don't want to do that. <laughs> Because it's not the same. Like I, it's not. It's exhausting. It it. I think Zoom cranks the whole like small talk thing up to an eleven. Because you're like, hey, how are you? And you're like, mm, bad. And then you're, and then you like talk about the weather. It's awful. It's so hard. Right. Like I, guys. Like listen. Like I could kill for a fucking hug right now. <laughs> Seriously. It, it, like I, 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 that's I why my, I my, my husband and my dog get a lot of hugs. <laughs> exactly, he's like that's a benefit, and that's why I what was it like a uh, like what was it like when I go to bed at night? I'm like I'm just clutching this pillow here. It's like yep, <laughs> like you're gonna be the little spoon tonight, pillow. That's what's happening right now, um, <laughs> and that's why I feel like it's I I resonate with that scene from Midsommar so much where it's. Uh, Florence Pugh and all the other women just sitting on the floor crying together. <laughs> yeah, it's feeling pretty real about now. Yeah, uh, and that's how I, that's just how I generate. It. And like, uh, that's why I'm like I'm so happy people are continuing to make podcasts and trying to keep people cheered up and everything. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm thankful for like SNL coming back and being able to make me laugh a few times. Yeah, uh, and plus it's like I know things aren't like back to normal, but it's a sign that we're Oh, I don't want to say anything. Who knows what's going to happen by the time this podcast comes out, but you know, it's like yeah, it gives you hope. I'll leave it at that. Yes. I mean, I think as somebody who is a creative and wants to have a career in visual storytelling, I think the future is bright because there are far more outlets now and they'll probably continue to grow to see an audience. Mm -hmm. I'm just being nostalgic and I'm just being precious about a certain way a, a visual story is delivered to an audience. Hey, I would I would say that nostalgia is profitable. I mean, look at Stranger Things. You you beat me to that joke. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like it's weird that, I mean, I think we're getting over that hump, but for a while that word is so demonized because everybody relates to it. Why why do we why do we hate it so much? So I I don't know. I think I think it's a good thing. Well, no, I think the reason why we retreat to nostalgia is when. Our impending doom becomes far, far more real. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why, you know, during, like, World War II, there were so many bright, happy musicals. Oh, for sure. And, but then, like, you get to the McCarthy era and, like, how things changed, or, like, into the early 1960s where you have, like, people like John Frankenheimer make movies like The Manchurian Candidate or Seven Days of May. Mm -hmm. And all about the blacklist and Plan of the Apes is all about a black a being blacklisted yeah uh, what are you talking about movies just now started having social commentary you didn't know that yeah blow it out your ass <laughs> just because you're <laughs> just I, because I, you're not able to comprehend it i have you know what's funny okay i just have to say this really fast so i uh participated in like a cinematic conversations for a documentary uh it was the fog of war and that guy the director he interviewed trump do you remember this clip of Trump talking about uh, Citizen Kane? Oh, being his favorite movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we watched that clip again, and man, that is so funny. It like, just made me think of like people not being able to understand the movie that they're watching. Like, part of me wonders, like, he can't be this stupid. He has to be just pulling a rib on everybody. But then there's times like, no. There's so many rich people who are really freaking stupid. So if you know what? I should not be surprised. I could go along with that until the part where he said, Rosebud, what does it mean? We'll never know. And I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> that is next level. I don't know. I don't think he gets it. No. I think he was being honest. Yeah. But then he just look into the fire, looking at Rosebud burning up. And then we grab him by the ankles. We throw him in like the witch from Hansel and Gretel. Anyway... <laughs> Before yeah. I get really angry uh, tweets at me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think... Like, what I am as a person is that I just want choices there. Like, right. there's a reason why I believe in, when it comes to filmmaking, a filmmaker should have the choice to either shoot on film or digital. Mm-hmm. And exhibit it the same way. I also feel like if somebody wants to experience it in a certain analog fashion or 
freedom of choice over their bodies that their choice should be there. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's all I want going forward when it comes to movie theaters. I'm all about choice. And I realized like my favorite movie of all time is Terminator 2. And what is the underlining theme of that movie is that the future is not set. There is no fate but what we make for ourselves. And I feel like that's what we need to do. We just have to, whatever new normal is, we just have to make it the best way we can. And to even curb even more of an analogy, what's something that Bruce Lee always said? Be like water because water is strong. And water, water is malleable. It fits any kind of structure it's in and thrives. Yeah, I think I think that things will change and will evolve, but I think that's okay. And like you said, we just have to be flexible. Exactly. Don't be rigid. Be flexible. Do yoga, mm-hmm. people. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at yoga, but I, I should do it. I it's a it. practice. You do it every day. You get better. Exactly, and it's one of those things where it's like it's just beneficial and keeps joints uh, strong. I mean, that's why like I do a mixture of yoga and weight training because I want my joints to work in forty years. That's important. You're, yeah. You do need your joints. Yeah, that's why I don't do CrossFit because I don't want my legs and arms and elbows to fall apart because I think this poor form that CrossFit does. But that's just my opinions on CrossFit. Ah, uh, I know at least a couple people that had shoulder surgery thanks to CrossFit, so I think you're right. Yeah, and also I just don't want to look like a douchebag by doing CrossFit. Sorry. <laughs> you just don't want to be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be like person like, yo, you can do CrossFit, man. You do you do CrossFit. You, I wear a weighted vest. I do CrossFit. Uh, I mean. You don't have to throw tires. There are other <laughs> exercises you can do. Anyway, before we piss off everybody else on the internet. <laughs> I know. We're taking so many shots at people. We're venting so people. <laughs> we're in a fragile state, okay? Movie theaters are not certain, and that's upsetting. Exactly. Uh, if people want to follow you on social media to hear more of your ramblings uh, and your show, where can they find that? Well, they'll find plenty of that on uh Twitter at ILTM Podcast, on Instagram, I Love That Movie Podcast, and you can find I Love That Movie uh, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just look for me um, and come find me. Yeah, and make sure it's the correct I Love That Movie Podcast. <laughs> There's one that shall not be named. Yeah, that should be banished to the fam zone. <laughs> I haven't heard it, but every once in a while something pops up that's rather similar. That's all I'll say. But if you want to follow me and my cryptic views on the world, uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at this is Tim Rooney. I made it simple for you to find me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and my YouTube channel, Through the Lens Productions, where my latest short film, Mad Cow, is up. And my other podcast, Please Rewind, the RF4RM Retro Show. Uh, that's where I talk about movies when it comes to their anniversaries. And we got plenty of other stuff before the end of 2020, so you're not going to want to miss out on that. I want to say, Lisa, thank you for taking time every night to talk about the future of movie theaters with me. Absolutely. A pleasure every time. And this topic in particular, I was really excited to talk about, so thank you. Of course. Uh, If you enjoy the show, subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts to help get the word out there. Uh, Come back next time as we continue to talk about movies and geek and pop culture, and we'll be speaking to you soon.